This is the Easy Living Yards podcast. I'm Ben Hale, your host that forgot to do his intro piece. Let's jump in and learn how to have a healthy, beautiful yard with less work so you can enjoy more time doing what you love. What's up and welcome to episode 52 of the Easy Living Yards podcast. Today we are going to be talking about outdoor winter activities for kids. Now before we jump into that topic today, I have two pieces uh, as an introduction before our main topic. And the first is I'm going to highlight today's favorite plant first. And so that's one of the two things. Today's favorite plant is the eastern white pine. Now, this tree actually has a pretty close, near and dear place in my heart uh, with my childhood. And I'll tell you a short story about this. So the, the eastern white pine is a native tree to the eastern United States, I think all the way up to the Rockies. I could be mistaken there. Um, and this tree is just, I don't know, I love this tree, especially in the, the winter time. Uh, if there's snow, it just looks like such a beautiful tree. Um, really all year round, this tree is beautiful. And the reason why this tree holds a special place to me is that I got one of these tiny little, you know, like, I don't know if you ever got these on Earth Day or Arbor Day, where you get this tiny, tiny little sapling. It's basically like a stick with some needles on it or a couple leaves. And, and that's pretty much it. And then maybe just a few roots on it. And, um, so I got one of these when I, I don't know, I was think I was in kindergarten when I got one and I brought it home uh, for Earth Day and we planted it in the backyard. And this tree has, it took like, I don't know, like five years or, or even more where it just like barely grew at all, but it was still alive. It was still there and it kind of struggled starting off. I mean, it started from basically a twig. I'm talking maybe like eight inches long and it was just that. It was just a stick with a couple needles on it. Um, for whatever reason, this tiny little tree like held on and struggled through. And now it's this beautiful tree in my parents' backyard. It stands about uh, 15 to 20 feet tall right now. And it's about maybe 10 feet wide. And it's just awesome. I, I love going over there and seeing this little tree now towering above me and uh, thinking of, to the memories of planting this little tree. And, and, you know, to me, it was a big impact at the time. I thought, you know, I'm helping to to save the earth and planting a tree, you know, is actually a really great thing to do and a really great thing to teach your kids. And so I actually hope to to pass that along to my kids as well as this, some of maybe some of these great memories where they're a lasting mark on the landscape and, and, um, hopefully, you know, a lasting mark, uh, in supporting nature as well. So that's my story of my Eastern white pine. And, um, let's talk about a few details of this tree just so you can get to know it a little better. So the Eastern white pine has the, uh, scientific name Pinus strobus, and it grows in USDA zones three to eight at mature height. It can grow upwards of 80 feet tall and sometimes even taller uh, for mature trees and it grows about 40 feet wide so this is a huge tree and when I planted this at the age the ripe old age of about six years old uh, I didn't plan for this mature height fully and and so it's actually being crowded out by a privacy fence and a towering um, 
a towering hackberry tree above it as well right now. So um, there's some competition going on. It wasn't super well planned on my part. Uh, I hope you, um, you know, forgive me somewhat for my lack of experience at the time. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, it seems to have survived. Um, we'll see how it does in the future. Um, so yeah, it does grow 80 feet tall, 40 feet wide. It does prefer full sun conditions. It can also grow in some partial sun conditions. Um, this tree, you know, it can grow in, uh, you know, a semi woodland setting. I think it generally prefers the edges as opposed to deep woods. So that kind of gives you a perspective on where it can grow in your landscape. And it prefers moist, rich, well-drained, acidic soil. Now, it's kind of funny because, like, pretty much every plant, they say, like, it prefers moist, rich, well-drained soil, right? And we wouldn't we all love to have that, you know, where it stays, like, just a nice misting of water every day and the soil stays moist, but then it doesn't, it's well-drained, so it means it doesn't hold too much water, right? Um, and high in organic matter, right? That's most garden plants are like that, where they say that, and it's kind of like this impossible condition that I I feel like doesn't really exist anywhere in nature. But but um, anyway, um, the reality is this, this plant is able to tolerate a wide range of conditions where we planted it in my parents' landscape. Um, we have heavy clay, alkaline soil, so it's a uh, high pH instead of low pH that it prefers. Um, and it's pretty compacted soil as well. And this tree has done just fine. Um, this younger one, you know, it took a long time to get started. That could be partly due to um, these conditions. You know, they're not maybe an ideal condition for it. But they're also partly due to... Um, this was basically a, a tiny little stick that was propagated probably from a cutting and then rooted into rooting hormone. And so it just took a while for it to you know, even get its get its wheels going, get its roots placed. Um, we also have at my parents' house, um, they still live there. Uh, there's about, I think it's six uh, white pine trees growing in partial shade conditions uh, on another part of their uh, just outside of their property on um, another property line and those trees have been there since I remember as a child and they're doing just fine and so um so you know this this all comes with a caveat that they're pretty tolerant trees okay um these trees do have a pretty um rapid growth rate they um so the you know like i said once this the tree i planted got going a little bit it shot up pretty quick once it felt like it was established it shot up pretty quick um and so it took about a good 5 almost 10 years probably for it to to start growing a little bit and then the next 10 years um to 15 years now i guess um it uh it's really taken off and so um just something to consider there and now one of the things compared to a lot of pine trees the white pine has a pretty loose form so it's not like your dense like christmas tree looking tree like a spruce or something um, um, instead, this is a looser form. It's not that pyramidal shape uh, s directly. Um, and I just love the kind of almost wispy look to it, especially when the wind blows. You get a wonderful sound that comes along with the, the lighter texture with these long uh, four-inch needles on it that are like slender, long needles compared to, you know, your pokey. They still can poke you a little bit, but they're highly flexible compared to uh, your typical needles that you think of on an evergreen. And so it gives it that wonderful texture that it has. Okay, so just consider uh, whether the white pine, the eastern white pine, is a good fit for your landscape. Um, I don't know the details on, there is, I'm pretty sure there's also a western white pine. So if you're on the other side of the Rockies, you might want to look into that. I, I've looked into it in the past. I've never 
had experience with it, but um, I've also, from memory at least, it's a it's a pretty decent tree as well, and it's very similar. So um, if you're over that way, you know, kind of maybe look into that if you want something that's native to your region. Uh, and and yeah, again, great tree. So the second thing is. I want to ask you guys if you've left a review for the show um, in Apple uh, iTunes podcast directory or on iTunes or through your podcast app on your phone. There's all these ways have a, a opportunity to leave a review. And the reason I'm asking is, is leaving reviews are a wonderful way to help other people find this show. So that's a lot of what iTunes uses to help um you know, promote different podcasts and to kind of sort through them to figure out which ones are the best. Um, and so if you guys like this show, I'd really ask that you consider leaving a review. And so I just wanted to share with you a recent review uh, that was left. And <laughs> here's another funny thing is on iTunes, you have to kind of like make this unique username uh, and it has to be different from anybody else's username, of course. And so there's some some kind of creative ones. So this person that left a review, um, <laughs> their username is not happy since update. And uh, I don't believe that was uh, due to my show. It was something in the past probably that they created this username. Anyway, um, the... The review says intent and purpose as a subject line. And the review says, I have thoroughly enjoyed listening to this podcast. I found it through listening to Epic Gardening. In his podcast, Ben Hale discusses topics in relation to gardening and life. I've appreciated his purpose to find intent in what you do, even in gardening and meaningful activities to enhance not only our lives, but the next generation. Thanks, Mr. Hale. Well, thank you for leaving that review, uh, Mr. slash Mrs. Not Happy Since Update. Uh, I really appreciate the uh, the time and effort you guys might spend to leave a review, an honest review, um, to show your appreciation for the show. It's really helpful and really meaningful to me. So when I see these reviews, um, it, it makes me feel really good that I'm actually making a positive difference and helping you uh, improve things. So if, if you wanted a small way to say uh, thank you or to express how you feel about the show, this is a wonderful way to do it and I strongly appreciate it. So if you have not yet left a review, consider going over to iTunes and leaving a review or through your Apple podcast app. Um, I believe also that on a lot of other apps, so if you're listening through um, Google Play uh, or Stitcher or um, Spotify, that there's I can't remember which ones, but there's opportunities to leave reviews there too. And I would also greatly appreciate that. So um, this reviewer also mentioned that... um, they found me through the Epic Gardening podcast. Um, wonderful podcast. If you guys are into gardening, or um, so Kevin over at Epic Gardening covers all sorts of topics relating to gardening, whether it's attractive gardening, uh, vegetable gardening, or um, in indoor houseplants, all in between. And um, just a wonderful show. So he get, he's got a daily show with these little short tips. So if you want to head on over and check it out, I'll also leave a link in the show notes to my interviews with Kevin um, that I did uh, a l- little earlier uh, in the end of 2018. So great show. Check it out if you haven't um, heard about it and if that sounds interesting to you. And like I said, I'll, link, I'll leave a link in the show notes to my series of interviews with Kevin. Okay, guys, let's get into the main topic of the day, which is fun things to do in the winter outside. So if you're looking for outdoor winter activities for kids, um, you know, maybe if you, I mean, if you've got kids, you probably know what it's like in the wintertime with your kids. Uh, 
And even if you don't have kids, I mean, even if you have a pet, right? They just get a little pent up. Don't we all, right? I get a little pent up inside in the winter. I get a little stir crazy, cabin fever, whatever you want to call it. Um, And sometimes it's just nice to have something to do, something to get outside get active, feel, you know, breathe some fresh air. I I believe, I I didn't look this up, but I'm sure there's something scientific about that. Just getting outside, breathing some fresh air, being outdoors, right? Having some space, some room to move, room to breathe. Um, I believe that there's something to that. And so what I want to go into today is just some things to help you and to help encourage you and your family to get outdoors and to realize, okay, maybe it's cold, maybe it's a little less comfortable outside right now, but that doesn't mean you can't go outside and it certainly doesn't mean you can't have a good time with it. So let's try and break down some of the barriers that maybe want to keep us indoors and decrease that tendency to get out and about. And let's bust through those barriers and kind of embrace the time of year for what it is and really enjoy it as well. Yes, it can be a little uncomfortable, but we always have the safety of our home nearby where we can go in, warm back up, um, you know, and get ready for going back out again. And so just getting outside a little bit, even with, you know, especially if you have kids that just kind of get really stir crazy, sometimes just a little of time outside really changes the story of things. You know, it can really calm them down or, or let them get out some of that crazy wild energy and, and bring out the joys that are present with each of our children. And so, I'm going to start with stuff we need. So when it comes to fun things to do in the winter outside, there's a certain amount of equipment or an arsenal of, of clothing and other things that really help to make it a fun experience outside. So when it comes to winter clothes, I'd recommend the following things. Uh, a good set of snow pants for your kids or um, water-resistant overpants. Now, this doesn't necessarily limit you to you know any of these things really you can make do without them probably at least to some extent or another and also of course this varies on the region you live in so if you live in you know north florida you're probably not dealing with well you're certainly not dealing with the same winter conditions that you're dealing with in northern wisconsin or or or, you know northern canada right so you know take all of this uh, this is a more general description of what we can do uh, wherever you live and that experiences some colder weather. And of course, you have to temper it with the region you live in as well. So if you're in Alaska, go for the mucklucks, right? All right. So um, when it comes to snow pants or water-resistant pants, um, we also, sometimes we just double up our kids. So they'll wear a pair of sweatpants, and then they get this pair of old ratty jeans. <laughs> our three-year-old right now has a knack for just like, I mean, I don't know how he does it, but we only have, <laughs> this is kind of sad, but we only have two pairs of jeans right now that don't have holes in the knees for him. So we constantly have to be going to find new pairs of pants for him. Um, now, unfortunately, some of it his pants are hand-me-downs, so he just happened, you know, he's the one that busted through them after they started to wear out. Um, now, bless his heart, you know, so what we do is uh, we he wears a pair of snow pants or a pair of sweatpants underneath for a little bit of insulation and warmth, and then these old ratty jeans on the top that we don't really care if they get dirty, right? If he's out there in the cold and it's, there's some muddy conditions or whatever, or, you know, um, a little bit wet or whatever, it's, it's not as bad because he's wearing some insulation layers um, and also not as bad if he gets just messy. And, and so, of course, uh, in the super cold conditions, so I'm talking right now, we've actually had a really mild December and a pretty mild beginning of the winter. And um, 
we've lucked out where we've had a lot of days that are in the upper 30s or mid 40s. And so those are that's perfect time for like sweatpants and jeans weather, right? And then sweatshirts and jackets. Um, I remember as a kid growing up, that's what our our uh, mom would always tell us as we were getting ready to go outside. We'd say, oh, do we have to wear a coat and hat or is it sweatshirts and jackets? And in the fall, it was always the answer was always sweatshirts and jackets. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, there's a throwback for you. Um, so yeah, get your pants in order. If it's really cold, consider those overpants, like, um, you know, like some, some like, you know what I'm talking about, like those windbreaker pants, or if you find a pair of old hockey pants, those are awesome, uh, to, for kids. And so, um, they don't go down in just super small sizes, but hockey pants are great, especially don't buy some new ones cause they're expensive. But if you come across some old ones, those are awesome for outdoor play. Um, as long as they're not too bulky and, um, you know, you can go with those snow pants as well. All right. Hats kind of go without saying, but winter hats are uh, great for, especially for protecting the ears, um, from that cold wind. Um, and we just have tons of winter hats all around the house, um, <laughs> all times of year, to be honest. Uh, our kids love just wearing them for, for fun and playing dress ups and stuff. Um, and also in those times where it's not super cold, even ball caps can make a difference too. And so just, um, you know, have a, a good supply of hats. They're pretty inexpensive. Insulated winter gloves kind of goes without saying too, but I just want to cover this, um, especially because a lot of those kids' gloves, you don't think about it, but when you're outdoors, um, even in the cold weather, it's really easy to get wet. And so whether there's um, snow on the ground, you know, as soon as that gets close to body heat, um, it'll melt the snow. Uh, or if there's icy conditions, sometimes there's even, you know, again, you have that that'll melt when a kid's holding the icicle or a chunk of ice. Or if it's like borderline icy, you still have really cold water. And as soon as, as soon as something gets wet, you're dealing with cold conditions and hypothermia conditions or frostbite. You don't want to mess with that stuff. And so make sure you can do the best you can to keep your kids dry for as long as possible. It'll keep them comfortable and happy longer and active longer as well. Okay, so so consider for your winter gloves, consider what you can do with either gloves uh, that are waterproof or water resistant. Those can go a long way to making a fun time. Now for those warmer temperatures, what I've found is really great just from a, the added dexterity is considering um, some gardening gloves and especially the ones that are nitrile coated uh, so they're like those dipped gloves where they kind of have that grippy rubber surface. Those are awesome for like the, the mid forties conditions where it's just cold enough where you don't want to go outside, but it's still warm enough where you can, if you're out there and active, you're actually nice and comfortable. And so those garden gloves are awesome because your kids can still move around and have fun and do a lot of stuff that they like to do anyway. Um, once they're, you know, bundled up just a little bit. And so, um, yeah, for those upper 30s and mid 40s range of temperatures, gardening gloves are awesome. And now there's a wide variety that are available for kids. Um, just in the past couple of years, they're really starting to become a lot more popular. So just take a look at those. Consider getting them for your kids. Our boys love them. Um, they've also had p- several pairs of cloth gardening gloves, which are awesome for the winter time. But but it's hard to beat these coated gloves. So um, check them out. Okay, uh, next, of course, footwear. So look into winter boots, rain boots, or um, snow boots, um, whatever you want to call them, various types of footwear. Um, The biggest things here I would recommend is something that can keep your kids' feet dry for as long as possible um, and also have a little room to move. Um, 
the reason here is so our, our preference is actually rain boots. So rain boots like those rubber boots are awesome. Um, and especially if there's a little bit of extra room in there for one they have room to grow and secondly you have room to layer up insulation so a couple layers of socks can really make a big difference and it basically turns your rain boots into snow boots and um, that rubber material is just great you know it's easy to clean and it's also of course uh, highly water resistant so um, so that's our preference Uh, they also have some pairs of hiking boots and we have a couple pairs of snow boots floating around too but you know how it is you can't have it's well it's really hard to have so many different types of footwear for kids because they grow out of them so fast it's still pretty expensive to buy footwear and so really for us the all-purpose one is those rain boots uh they're really an all-season type uh piece of footwear so even in the summer when it's raining they love going outside in their rain boots um and in the winter we can use them uh with a little bit of added insulation and they work great okay moving on uh wool socks uh, is something right now we don't actually use wool socks for our kids. Um, one, they're just kind of expensive. And with our kids growing so fast again, um, we haven't really invested in them yet, but it's something I want to get for our family. And especially once, uh, they're getting a little older, it's something really nice for them to have, especially if they're more active outside more often. Um, wool socks are just awesome for their insulative capabilities especially or even when they start to get a little damp and wet so as long as you're moving around um, the reality is your feet pretty much sweat all the time anyway so as long as you're moving around your feet are going to stay warm they're going to stay warmer much longer with wool socks compared to a comparative cotton sock or polyester sock so consider wool socks um also, for all of this stuff, like I said, you know, costs can add up pretty quick here, especially these are seasonal clothes. These aren't year-round clothes that we're talking about for the most part here. Um, you know, one thing I didn't add to these notes that's worth mentioning before I forget is make sure their necks stay warm. So that's a big deal because um, a lot of winter coats, uh, that's one thing I'd like to check if they have a nice insulated neck region once it's zipped up a little bit. really makes a big difference um, in trapping in a lot of heat Um, and so not only the head but the neck too can lose a lot of heat and it also adds a lot if if the neck's not um, covered that can really make a big difference in whether or not your kids feels cold so consider something that covers the neck whether it's some scarves that you can tuck down inside their coats or um, the coat itself has a built-in neck um, insulation piece all right so what i was going to say next was um a lot of this stuff you can find pretty decent kids' clothes, pretty decent children's clothes at thrift stores. Um, also, just you know, check around the family and friends for hand-me-downs. If they have kids that are growing out of stuff, they don't have any younger kids to wear it, they might just be looking for somebody to give the clothes to as opposed to just sending them to Goodwill or throwing them in the trash. That's what a lot of people end up doing with kids' clothes. And so just ask around, you know, hey, if you got any clothes uh, you don't mind, you know, you're trying to get rid of, I, I don't mind, you know, piecing through them before sending them off to goodwill if you know we don't want anything and and some people you know would be happy to do that so um just check that out it really could help you kind of build your arsenal of clothing that you need for kids it seems sometimes okay what about other stuff we need well other stuff um tissues and i will i'll say paper towels too so tissues <laughs> anything to rub those wet noses it's like as soon as they go outside all of a sudden the noses are just like gushing all the time and so that's why, <laughs> why i say paper towels because it seems like tissues fill up too fast so what, what we do with 
uh, sending the kids outside is I usually stuff a couple um, paper towel pieces into my back pocket that are pretty much always there as a father. Now that's like a necessity in my park pocket arsenal. Um, and, uh, but I'll also like have the kids now that they're old enough, um, you know, our two older boys, um, are able to wipe their own noses basically. So they carry one in each of their pockets as well. So that then in the middle of play, they don't have to stop completely and come find me, uh, if it's enough of a nuisance, but, or the reality of they just keep playing and kind of like eat their own snot as they're going, which you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, so instead we encourage them to just wipe their own nose and they've done a pretty good job about that. So, um, it's a really nice thing to have. Uh, lip balm is very important too, especially with them breathing through their mouths a lot more outside as they're running around the dry, low humidity conditions. Those lips crack pretty quick. So um, lip balm is really helpful to have around on hand old towels for when they're coming back inside uh, or if you know they take a spill outside and get wet or whatever. Uh, really nice to have. Really nice. Even if it's just to you know, wipe up a bunch of mud before they come inside, um, you don't have to care with the old towels. So nice to have on hand you basically throw them by the door um so so my wife and i we basically strategize our our excursions outside so this is even if they just tromp into the backyard a little bit we decide, okay, where are the kids going to come in the house? What's the best spot right now for when we're coming in? So usually that target is either our back patio door, which is a nice sliding door, or it's the into the garage um, through the side entry door in our garage. And then they can kind of, you know, de-layer there, take off of the exterior clothes and take off the boots, um, clean up a little bit there before going inside the house. So whichever it is, it's nice to strategize that so we can set expectations, have a pile of towels there if we need them. Um, We've also done it where our house um, has this um, entry door right next to the master bathroom as well, which um, uh, so sometimes we'll just strategize if we know the kids are going to take a bath after being outside, we'll kind of set up shop right there and they can go in that door and then be pretty close to getting in to take a bath um, pretty quick. So, um, yeah, it's just nice to have that expectation set up so you can throw your old towels there, uh, change the clothes if you want them to be able to change right away or whatever. So it's things are ready to go and we know what's what's going on. Um, Next, uh, this isn't something we really use, but um, maybe want to consider it is some hand warmers. Uh, Again, you know, staying warm uh, outside is really the driver for what keeps your kids playing outside for longer, um, having a good time as opposed to maybe not having such a good time or not being out there as long. So um, if they, you know, could use some hand warmers, especially if they're going hiking or, you know, playing out back for a long time, maybe you have pretty big piece of property. Um, it can just keep them out in about longer, you know, quick warming of the hands before they keep moving again. Okay. So with that, what about motivating your kids to get outside? What could really motivate your kids? Well, I've got a couple ideas here. Um, one is, you know, just kind of hyping up the coming back inside, you know, Hey, go outside for a little bit. And I have time to prepare your favorite meal before you, um, come inside, you know, um, so talking about maybe having, you know, making this an experience. So, uh, not only is it just going outside and playing, but it could also be the combination of the experience. So, um, while the kids are playing outside, you're, you're getting a meal ready for them, or, um, you already have it ready to go and you're out there with them. So it's more of a, this is like a family, uh, 
experience. So whether it's, you know, in the afternoon and evening for before dinner, um, you can make it into a fun type of thing all in one as opposed to just, oh, just go play outside, right? So it's it's kind of building things in together. That can really motivate the experience. What about hot chocolate, of course, right? Um, so hot chocolate is kind of that go-to cold weather thing and for good reason, um, and you know, kind of warms you up. Or if your kid's into soups, um, soups can be awesome, really hearty thing. Unfortunately, right now, I love soup but our kids don't so much and they also make a giant mess with them. So that's not really in the cards for us right now, but hot chocolate, serious motivator for our family. Um, if you're maybe concerned about, you know, like the typical like Swiss Miss stuff, we, we actually try and eat like a pretty low sugar diet, especially with our kids. We try not to, you know, eat too many processed foods as well. So what I can do is in the show notes, I will share a, a our low sugar version recipe of hot chocolate where we basically the only ingredients are cocoa powder, milk, and honey. And that's it. And sometimes we'll maybe we'll put like a little bit of uh, vanilla in it. Uh, or if we want a little added sweetness, we maybe put a little bit of uh, liquid stevia extract in there as well. So um, it tastes amazing. You, you can't tell that it's like a, you know, you're not your typical like super loaded sugary hot cocoa. Um, we love it. And um, so I'll share that recipe with you in the show notes if you want to check it out. Okay. Um, another thing is consider hyping up like maybe your kid's favorite summer activities. Just figure out how you can do it in the winter. And of course, if it's the water activities that they love, well, let's try and pick the ones that are not the water activities, right? Because water um, pretty much always spells cold and and not being pleasant outdoors um, in the winter. So um, think of like your kids' favorite summer activities that are water-free. So maybe they love to play kickball or baseball or tag or whatever. Well, let's figure out how we can do that and make it a fun experience in the wintertime. And that really sets up for success of having a good time outdoors. Again, the more you're moving around outside in the winter, uh, generally speaking, the more fun you're having because the warmer your body stays. And so um, that's especially true for our kids and their little bodies. Um, Okay, what next? Um, What about just kind of selling the opportunity for space or independence? So even with our our little three-year-old, this is something that works. And, and I'd, I'd say this tactic works all the way up to teenagers. I haven't gotten there yet, so I don't really know. But but let's face it, in the winter, we all just kind of get claustrophobic, right? We all get kind of in a way like, you know, not that we don't love each other, but a little tired of just being in such close proximity to each other and having a little bit of space, having a little bit of an opportunity to just go out and do things on your own or, you know, have a little bit of personal space, uh, a little independence is something that was really nice in the winter time because we're all so close to each other uh, within earshot with you know kind of stumbling on top of each other yelling at each other whatever um and, you know for for space for that's right now that's like the phrase in our house right now space please i need space please <laughs> um that's kind of like the phrase we've taught our kids if they'd like a little bit of personal space that's what they say so it's a pretty common phrase right now um so Really, you could sell that point too. If it, well, if you go outside, you know this is a chance for you know once you're moving around, warming up, think of an activity you can do outside, or maybe you can have some suggestions to suggest of doing outside, and that way you can go out, get some energy out, have some fun, and have your own space to yourself. Um, and and that's something that really seems to work right now for us. And what about for you? So we've talked about motivation for our kids to be outside. Well, let's face it, maybe for 
myself and ourselves, we don't exactly love being out in the cold weather either. So what's the motivation we can get ourselves to be out there and to encourage our kids to be out there too? So as far as self-motivation goes first is that space thing I just talked about. Sometimes it's really nice to have that space to get out. And that's certainly true for me. I really enjoy like just in that cold winter months where everybody's stuck in the house all day. Um, it's, it's so nice and relieving for me to just get out and move around. I really like, it really helps me a lot. So if I'm feeling like kind of pent up and frustrated or whatever, um, I like to get out, move around, work on some projects that really should are probably, you know, your typical summer projects, but you can still do them in the winter. And sometimes just working on stuff, whether it's working in a, uh, the vegetable garden, uh, trying to do, you know, whatever winter type things you can do, like cleaning up uh, some stuff or, or, you know, kind of planning out some beds for, for, um, when it's warm enough to dig them. Um, you know, little things like that, building, uh, temporary fencing, um, removing some weed areas or cover, you know, covering them up as prepped for the new year, um, that sort of thing. Um, it's all stuff you can do in the winter. People usually just choose to wait until it's warm enough to be comfortable. Well, the reality is getting outside right now, it's a great time to get outside, to move around, to get some of that energy out and to really just, you know, it's to do something physical, right? To get, to get out of those winter doldrums. And so getting out there with your kids can be a huge thing. Uh, and just, so just thinking of a few, maybe things you could work on if you're like the workaholic tape, kind of like me, where, um, you can't just be out there, right? Um, that, that could be a motivator for you. What about, um, focused play? So I just said, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the workaholic type. Well, the reality is I have to, I kind of have to, um, actively think about making sure I spend some time with my kids and to, to be present, you know, not just being there, but being present. And so making sure I put off all those work priorities that, that really are okay if they wait another day or another week and, and focus some time for the kids. The kids really respond to having the attention and to feeling like they're, they're, um, um, getting some focus and some energy from you. And also it's just a rewarding parenting experience. So really going out there and playing with your kids is another wonderful way to motivate you as a parent to get out there and, and really feel like you're doing a great job as a parent and having some fun together. And um, that's certainly true for me. Okay, so there's your self-motivation. Now let's get into what activities can we actually do outside. For one, you don't have to plan anything. What about just getting, letting them have the opportunity to direct their own play? Self-directed play is really important for kids' development um, from what I've heard and what I've learned. And, and so just giving them the opportunity, as long as you can motivate them to be out there, um, letting them figure out what they want to do can be a really wonderful thing. Especially right now, our kids, they love that. Just being outside um, for them, they figure out what they're going to do. And the reality is they usually change what they're doing about every two minutes. It's like this funny cycle of like, they'll start with one activity, they'll play it for about two minutes, then they move to another thing, then they move to another thing, move to another thing. And then all of a sudden they're back with the first thing again. That's just how they play. That's just how they, how they do things. And so as adults, you know, a lot of times we think about focusing just on one task. And for kids, they don't necessarily thrive in that situation. Each kid is 
is different. Where some kids do very, very focused play, other kids really like that divergent play where they can do one thing and then move on and move on and move on and move on and try all these different things and have such a fun time doing it. So just let your kids be themselves and do their own thing if they seem appropriately motivated to do so. What about um, things that can, you can do to attract the birds in the wildlife? So our boys just got binoculars for Christmas, and they love binoculars. Um, I would recommend if this, if this is something your kids are interested in too. Um, I got them, or we got them some 4X magnification binoculars, so they're not like super high magnification. This is actually, so we actually got them legitimate binoculars. I think it's a Tasco. If I can find it, I'll put it in the show notes, but um, it's a Tasco binocular. It's a pretty small, compact size one, but it's a legitimate binocular. It's not like one of those um, kids ones that breaks right away. And so um, these are, I think they're four by 30 is what the number is. So just so you know, the first number is magnification. The second number is like how big the viewport is based on the front lens. And, um, and so, uh, the reason we picked these for one, they're small enough for them to handle even our three-year-old, but they're, then they also have a low magnification. So that way it's easier for them to see the thing they're trying to point it at because the the higher the magnification the smaller viewing range you have at a distance and so it while it doesn't magnify things as much it allows them to be able to see what they're trying to see easier and that was a big for us so our kids love trying to spot wildlife this is you know an activity that's both indoor and outdoor so that's really awesome for them um and so when we're outdoors, um, right now we have a suet thing where it's basically bird seed mixed with uh, a lot of times it's some sort of animal fat. We make our own suet based out of just based on uh, using old old uh, fat drippings from uh, uh, like uh, like ground beef. You can even use like if you just render the fat, it's pretty easy to do. If you just look up some recipes for making bird suet. It's pretty easy to do. And um, so that's something you can do. Um, also, just putting out bird seed, especially if you're not into using animal products, um, putting out bird seed, uh, so bird feeders, uh, can be a great activity with your kids to bring in some wildlife. There's also a lot of animal feeders. You know, some people have various um, thoughts on this. So if, if this is something you want to do, attracting uh, beneficial wildlife to your property, um, then consider doing that. And, and kids really love it because that interaction with nature is really important for your kids' uh, education, for feeling like they're part of uh, something greater than just a suburban development they live in, and um, to really experience it firsthand and not have to go to the zoo to do it. So um, that's an awesome activity. Um, you can also consider planning this this takes some planning but for the future planting some plants that attract wildlife especially over the winter so the kind of like the token plant for this if you want to think about it as a decorative plant is echinacea so echinacea or the purple cone flower is a wonderful uh native prairie plant to the central and eastern u.s and basically this plant uh, over the winter it has these wonderful seed heads on it that uh finches and sparrows and um you know seed eating birds love to visit to eat those seeds over the winter so it's really important um if you want to plant for wildlife it's for one it's an awesome activity to do but also just leave those seed heads there for one they're beautifully attractive it's a popular european design principle right now it's to leave the leave the dead stuff there for its beautiful texture that it brings to your landscape and uh but the other additional benefit too is they bring in the wildlife and it's so fun to watch these little birds eat the seeds off of the echinacea plant and other plants like it 
Okay. Next, starting a project. So um, consider what you can do to in, in the winter time. Um, maybe you could uh, start building something. So like an idea for a little bit of an older kid is like putting together, you know, using some scrap two by fours. Maybe you can find an old uh some old boards or an old seat or something where you can build like a little downhill go-kart. You know, that's a fun activity for the winter. It's a little cold, right? But, um, the reality is it's going to be cold either way. So you might as well make the best of it. And, um, and so maybe you can, uh, you know, get your kid involved in a project and have some fun and, and to do something fun and have something that they can enjoy as an outcome. So, uh, that's just one idea. Uh, another thing right now, um, uh, you could do is like an outdoor activity bench. So it's kind of like a workbench for kids outside, something that they can use for their own little projects and toys or whatever, or an outdoor kitchen. So, um, I don't have a lot of details about this right now, but I I talked about this in episode 27, which was backyard ideas for kids. I strongly recommend you go and check that check out that episode if this sounds like some interesting stuff to you. I talk about a ton of ideas there of something your kids can do outdoors and to have fun and to really feel engaged and have their own experience just in your backyard even. And so I have a link in the show notes for that. You can also just go over to ely.how slash episode 27 and it'll take you right to that episode. Um, Next idea. If there's snow out, Take advantage of it. Go sledding, right? That's like the go-to activity. Go sledding if it's dry snow. Build snowmen and snow forts if it's wet snow. That's kind of like the two things. Um, Our kids love being outside. Uh, So do I. Uh, When there's snow on the ground, uh, you know, you could stay pent up inside. But the reality is, again, if you just want to get some energy out, have some fun doing it, those are great ways to do it. So consider that. Um, What about visiting a favorite or a new hiking spot? The cool things about going hiking in the winter, for one, you see some beauty that you don't see the rest of the year. You can see so much farther through the woods because the, a lot of the foliage is down. Um, likewise, you just see some, a lot of different things in the winter. Um, if, it, if it's frosty out, you see some beautiful ice formations. Um, and you hear some amazing sounds because sound carries a lot farther. And, um, and the other cool thing is Nobody goes to parks in the winter. It's so much quieter. Um, we even go to the the local playgrounds uh, sometimes in the winter. You know, we just bundle our kids up, take them to the playgrounds, and they have full full play of these, you know, really popular playgrounds because nobody else wants to be there. The only downside I would say is, for one, if it's wet, don't do it. And two, if it's super windy, it's usually not very fun either because as soon as they get up about five or ten feet, it's even windier and and it's usually kind of just not a fun experience. So as long as it's not super windy and super wet, um, have them out at the playground every once in a while. The kids love it and um, and you'll love the, just the getting out the energy too. But hiking too is um, our kids have so much fun um, going hiking and even in the winter time. And, um, you know, don't let that cold weather stop you from doing some fun activities. And so we're already getting kind of naturey with hiking, right? I'm going to leave you with this one last stretch goal. And um, I have not done this with my kids yet, but I did do it growing up. And that is, if you really want like some, you know, getaway ideas, consider going camping. 
And that sounds, uh, you, probably half of you are ready to turn off the episode now, <laughs> but bear with me here. So, of course, camping, this is kind of, you know, a more hardcore activity. Some of you are just like, uh-uh, no, I'm not going camping, even in the summertime when it's super comfortable out. Um, well, I get it. This is not for everybody, so I'm not forcing this. But if camping is something that you kind of like to do and you think your kids might like to do, first I'd recommend you not to do your first camp out in the winter. But if it's something you're interested in doing and like to do, maybe go during the warmer months. Also, fall is a beautiful time to go camping. Um, but winter can be too. I have uh, uh, some family friends who their family, every year, they go on a winter camp out and it's so much fun. They have a blast. Of course, it's cold, right? It's going to be cold. So you just bundle up. You have some wonderful fires, some wonderful campfires to keep yourselves warm. And you just do fun things, cook warm food and, you know, go hiking, stay active. And uh, it's a blast. So consider going camping again. <laughs> it's pretty much dead at campsites. And the the only challenge is you'll have to find campsites that are open. <laughs> I'll admit that. And um, this isn't something, you know, I recommend you do, you know, every weekend for sure. But um it can be a fun experience for kids as long as you can work to keep them warm. Uh, it can be a fun time and it's not incredibly expensive. Now, if camping is not for you, you can also just do, you know, get a cabin for a weekend and your kids will have a blast with it. I, I guarantee it. You can stay nice and warm in the cabin. I just took the kids out with one of my buddies. Uh, we took our two older boys uh, to a, their family cabin and they just absolutely adored the whole time. They had such a blast. It was freezing cold out. There was ice everywhere, um, but they and it was windy, so it was chilly, windy, whatever. They still, it didn't matter. They had so much fun, and um, so just consider what you can do with your kids, even to get away. Um, it, just you know, get out of the house. Sometimes it's so wonderful to just to get out of the house to be somewhere else, and just the cold weather doesn't have to stop you from doing that. Okay, guys, so that's pretty much a wrap for all of the material I had today. Um, again, check out the show notes uh, for the links we talked about. So you can go to ely.how slash episode 52. You'll see a link to today's favorite plant, the eastern white pine. Um, links to uh, the Epic Gardening podcast interviews I did with Kevin over at Epic Gardening. Um, check out his stuff. He's got some super awesome stuff. Um, also, a link to Backyard Ideas for Kids. Um as always, I have a link to a bunch of free content. If you want to check out free stuff, um, you can go over to ely.how slash free. I have a bunch of free giveaways to help you save time in your landscape and how to spend more time doing the things you love. You can always uh, get in touch with me to uh, ask a question for the podcast. And likewise, if you really want to make a committed effort to changing your landscape for the better, saving time in your landscape, and bringing a positive outcome to your life as well, uh, living with more purpose and having more time to do so, consider joining the membership. So you can, uh, there's a link to join the Easy Living Yards membership. You can go at least and check out uh, things about it, uh, more details. So a link to that in the show notes, you can go over to ely.how slash membership. That's pretty much a wrap guys. So get outside, have some fun time, uh, in the, in the, <laughs> in the winter weather. Um, I hope you enjoyed these fun things to do in the winter, um, fun, fun winter activities. So, um, get outside with your kids, um, get active, get some of that energy out, 
thanks for tuning in. Make sure you live with passion and make tomorrow better than today.